Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you will get to roll call coming up. A lot of venom in the stream about last night's tough one at Illinois. We'll spend plenty of time on Husker hoops. The good, the bad, and the absolute ugly if you're wearing black and white stripes. We'll get there. 489-1240 or 800 Five eight six five. Can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And always uh, follow the show. Can hear it across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. Several stations across the state were blessed to be carried by. And can find us on the stream Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that, like that, and uh, give us some feedback. That's where you can contribute in the stream. Also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. We'll get into Super Bowl week. We've got a bunch of former Huskers that played in the big game uh, on the in the on-deck circle to join us this week. Matt Rule's going to talk Wednesday. So busy week as uh, things gear up. And uh, one more big moment of football uh, on Sunday. But the here and now is Nebraska basketball and their chase for the dance. And believe it or not, the loss last night actually bumped them in Ken Palm, in net ratings, and they're still, at least as some of the the sites that project the field of 68, they still have Nebraska as uh, the last four in. So uh, great effort. I think it'll get looked at with how well they played and uh, what they had to overcome. And you can say uh, you're going to get home cooking, you're going to get jobbed, you're going to get hosed. I mean, that just happens on the road you got to play above that I agree with that there are things Nebraska needed to be better at they weren't but there are some things that were not in their control and they had to to, to overcome anyway so we'll dive into that uh, Super Bowl breakdown in hour two we'll check in with Mr. Blackshirt Charlie McBride a Monday with Charlie get Uncle Charlie's take on uh, the Super Bowl some spring football thoughts and I'm sure he was screaming at his TV watching basketball last night. He loves watching BTN. We'll uh, also catch in, catch up with uh, former 49er, our dear friend Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL, our Big Red wrap-up co-host. So that's on the docket. You are fired up in the stream and can join us on the phone lines as well. Anthony is in first as it is time for roll call, our starting five uh, when it comes to the first five in the stream, plus a, a few stragglers that complete 
uh, those off the bench. Mike checks in second. Andrew in at third. Black Hills, Brennan, four. And the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life uh, checks in at five. Matthew in at six. And uh, Chuck from Denver, seven. Anonymous is in. And uh, Anonymous has some some thoughts on last night's hoops. We'll get there. So let's just dive into it. Uh, we'll hear from Fred Hoiberg as well in a moment. Our dear friend uh, Rick Pizzo, uh, BTN, uh, is usually not one to, to make a statement on your dance card. But Pizzo was in full support of Nebraska last night and uh, how things went down against the Illini. Was out at a watering hole with my brother-in-law, Uncle Andy, and uh, the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. And the, the place was lots of gasps, lots of screams, lots of anger in the tone. And, and you may have been feeling that watching it at home or out with buddies. Elijah, the rule of thumb is this, and this is kind of an old Tim Miles rule, and this is a lot of coaches. You go back to Coach Nee, you talk to... Or hear from Roy Williams. You go to coaches. You go into a, a a ruckus road environment. You better be up between that seven and eleven number as a road team with about three minutes left in the game. You better make sure the cushion is a ten spot. The line going in was ten and a half. If you're a Nebraska basketball fan, two things: one, they always had a response. Mm. They did not shudder when Illinois put a run to go together. Specifically, they, they just kept chopping some wood. Uh, Illinois came out, hit their first five shots. Nebraska got down 47-40 after going into halftime with the lead. So Nebraska took care of the basketball better. Nebraska got destroyed on the offensive rebound side of things. Uh, 17 offensive rebounds. Uh, Nebraska tried to block out, and they never got many whistles for it. In fact, Illinois just flat out climbed over their back. Case in point, Tominaga getting, uh, you know, giving piggyback rides and then getting kicked in the head for, for his trouble in, uh, in overtime. Uh, there's a lot of calls. The, the rink mast final possession where he gets stripped. Now, I know Shannon has, uh, you know, an investigation going on, so any further charges or I mean, I'm kidding, of course. But listen, that that was that was brutal. That was slow mo foul against or on Rink Mass. There's a play where Rink's trying to go up under the basket, and he gets hit in the cheek. He gets hit in the arm, and then Illinois knocks the ball out of bounds, and the goon on the baseline still calls it Illinois basketball, uh, which was a joke. A lot of that game was no blood, no foul. Fine, okay. But then don't whistle Sammy Hoiberg for a cheap, <laughs> cheap foul as he gets a steal or at least a tie That, that felt like an anticipatory call from the referee. But they, they just picked and choose yeah. when they were going to anticipate. And, I mean, it was just brutal trying to get to the rim. And, and, and I'm with you. The biggest problem that I had with the officiating. and You let's, can suck, let's, let's, let's but be suck clear. all game. Let's be clear. 
Illinois got on the I was on the bad end of some calls too. I think Nebraska hosed on a hell of a lot more than Illinois, but these refs are bad both ways. But as you kind of said, they were calling it no blood, no foul for much of the game. But like, then don't then don't let CJ Wilson get screwed on a phantom call, no body bump, gets more ball. Don't bail out a game you've let be physical from the get go. Yes. In the last five seconds, and this is my problem. That that was that was garbage. Nebraska should have had a win at the end of regulation, unless Illinois gets a you know a, a, an offensive well, rebound to win it at the buzzer. My, my big problem. You remember this? Remember what what Underwood got teed up for? And we'll get to Underwood getting teed up because I think that was a strategic Set play on tone. his part. Strategic play on his part. The referees had that in the back of their mind the rest of the game. But do you remember what he got teed up for? It was Shannon coming in transition, and Kise gives him a little bump. As he uh, as he hit his gather before he put the shot up, kind of put him off balance, misses the shot. Underwood was furious. It was almost identical, slightly different because it wasn't in transition, but the the quote unquote foul was very similar to what CJ Wilcher had at the end of that game, where you get him just a little bit in the body as he gathers before he puts the shot up. My problem with the officiating is in the first half, you don't call that on Kise, where he gets him slightly on the body as he gathers and puts him off balance, and you call it on Wilcher at the end. And I think there's a, a uh, a 95% chance in my mind that the referees had that Underwood tech in the back of their mind whenever that game got close at the end. Whenever Nebraska's down 10 with three minutes left, you remember Underwood blowing up on you in the first half. Oh, maybe he has a point here. As Nebraska starts to crawl back into that game, I don't think it's a coincidence that those calls started going towards Illinois. Not for any sort of malice from the referee's point of view, but because, you know what, the home crowd... As much as you don't like to say it, it influences the the decisions of referees at times in split second moments. Doesn't influence and, the the good ones, and but we're still in search for those. And you have Underwood in the back of your mind blowing up on you, and there are some reports on the court that the refs ended up doing some cussing towards Underwood's way in that moment. Um, all that weighs on you in the final moments whenever Illinois has got a ten point lead, and here comes Nebraska coming all the way back. All of that is in the back of your mind. It might not influence your decisions directly, but it's in the back of your mind whenever you get to to the the key moments in a, a late game moment. Don't be bad some of the time or none of the time. Just be bad all of the time. You can't tighten it up in a close moment. Because yeah, the you, you, can't, you, you, you can't change how you are. And, and they, they were – listen, you expect that going in, but Illinois got away – with a lot last night. I mean, Nebraska Kise was getting damn near assaulted coming off of every screen by Terrence Shannon. And, and that's how it's been. He needs to adjust to that. And, and Nebraska tried to be physical. Uh, the zone got stops, but it also allowed more rebounds because you can't get a body on folks. Uh, we need to uh, raise our hands about being a couple of voices that, that contemplated, do you bench Kise? Well, uh, go ahead and give us both double birds, Kise, because... We deserve it. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were phenomenal last night. You were well, incredible. You were composed. You were on a mission. And, and he, he, he wasn't took, a net negative on the defensive end. He wasn't a positive, but he was at least all right on the defensive he, end. He took pretty... There's one bad shot, but for the most part, Nebraska you know, did everything but win. Now, the, the other part of this, and Dolman said this, so I'm going to give him credit, but it really resonated. Nebraska played as confident as you've seen them play on the road. Mm -hmm. They got out on some of these lesser teams, air quote lesser teams, that they didn't beat, right, because they just kind of threw up all over their shoes. This time they had had response, they were confident, they were poised, 
They weren't afraid of the moment. And they took that with them, that confidence from Wisconsin. Now they've got to rally and rebound and kind of channel that that disappointment against Northwestern, who's really struggling right now. Anonymous checks in. Illinois had one personal foul called in the first 15 and a half minutes of the second half. As aggressively as they were playing, I would consider that to be questionable at the least. Right. No, I mean, it was just, it was, it was very difficult for Nebraska. Moonbot checks in. Dion says, what's up? Uh, Brandon's uh, in as well. And uh, Anonymous says, Elijah's much too charitable. Give him another 30 years of watching this garbage and he'll be realizing these screw jobs are intentional. It, listen, and this, you know, and this is what the rest of the Big Ten probably doesn't like about Nebraska, but it, it has been eerie for a long time. It's been eerie since T.O. retired. It's been eerie since Bill Moose and Scott Frost came to Lincoln. It's been eerie with just scheduling. It's been eerie with Nebraska on the road for football. <laughs> <laughs> it's been on the road. Uh, Nebraska's been their, their own problem on the road for football. But in some, place, some cases where the games have been actually well played or better played, you don't get a, a call at the end. A lot of times in, in Madison, uh, Xavier Betts gets lit up at the goal line. Uh, Jordan Westerkamp lit up at the goal line. Some no calls in the red zone. That's uh, similar to rink mast needing to physically bleed at the end of overtime to get a whistle. I just want to throw in here. That's the fan mindset, though. I'm not wrong. I know the fan mindset, but I'm going to come at you from the umpire's perspective. I know know some people who are much higher level than me. I'm not going to claim myself to be the expert here with my high school baseball officiating. I'm not the expert... I know a lot of people though that have done high level officiating you, you of do, baseball, you, listen, of basketball. You you do you do a, you do refing because you love the game, and you and the you money wor- doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, no, you like no, and get, that's where I'm going. You like it, to get paid. You you your your motive for doing it is because you love the game and you want to be a part of it. You don't go there because you need backpats. And there are some officials in this world that are power trip guys. But and, I think and, and the, the, the good, vast majority of the them, good ones. Are, are unfortunately roped in with those knuckleheads that are the power trip. Worship me, I control your outcome. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that somewhat. Somewhat. But I'd say the vast majority of guys out there, and I, I don't know these, these three officials, uh, don't know them personally, don't think I remember any uh, big screw-ups in their history of officiating basketball. Nothing stands out. Don Daly, Paul Zeal. And Owen Short. Yeah, see, those names don't ring a bell to me, but unlike your your Kelly Pfeiffer's out there. Right, where um, it's going to be seven reviews the last five minutes because we need more TV time. I, I'll just say most officials out there are doing it, A, for love of the game, B, to get a little extra money in their pocket, whether it be bar money or a new nice diamond necklace for their wife. Or they're, girlfriend. They're, or girlfriend. Or, or both. Mistress. Um, I, I'll just say... That those are usually the two main motivations people get into. I don't think people are out there getting on the court saying, "Oh, we got Nebraska Day. It's our perfect chance to screw them over because they joined the Big Ten twelve years ago and we still don't like them." Eh, eh, I don't think that's actually happening. Um, but I think these people are humans that let crowds affect them. They let coaches affect them, and uh, I think we saw the result of that yesterday. That's what I'll leave it at. 
Well, and Tiger Shark dives in. Uh, Tiger Shark diver dives in. Did you guys see the last play where Illinois guys stepped six different pivots? That was quote tweeted today. And uh, Domask, is that his name? Yeah, Domask, the, the guy who was... It's like, yeah, traveling. I got away with one. I mean, he was doing the full foxtrot, brother. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no whistle there. And, uh, they they kept possession in a, in a three-point overtime game. So here's, here's the reality. Nebraska fans are riding this roller coaster. The team didn't ride a roller coaster last night. They came in and, and played as well as they did to get a win on the road against a ranked squad. They played up, and they, they, they went every inch with Illinois. So I think that's encouraging if Nebraska, if you're a Nebraska fan. The thing is the trust factor. Have they turned a corner, or can they keep it up, or was this just a moment where they carried some momentum, actually, from a monster home win to go on the road? You're still fighting with the tournament, and a down Big Ten where there's not going to be eight spots for you in March. So if you're a Nebraska basketball fan, every opportunity counts. This would have put you in if you don't screw up at home the rest of the year. There's one more factor here. Maybe Fred Hoiberg ignoring the sports scientist was all that this team needed to get over the hump. Well, we'll see. More <laughs> thoughts. We'll hear from Fred. And uh, Hale Varsity continues. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. So we'll check in with Connor Clark. Connor, of course, uh, winding down his college career, and he's done it in less time than Tommy Boy. Pretty impressive for uh, Connor Clark. He was on the road in Champaign last night for KRNU. It's a college radio station that Elijah was a part of, I was a part of, Cranach was a part of. We love it. College of Journalism and Mass Communication in Nebraska. Proud of what they have going for sure, for sure. And uh, Connor was on the road doing the, the radio play-by-play of it last night, so he was there at the scene of said crimes. We'll get to more of your comments, more of your uh, uh, thoughts on Nebraska basketball. We'll get to some Super Bowl takes. We'll talk Rex Burkhead. Keona Wilhite, come on down. Well, nothing officially yet, but there's some smoke for Nebraska. Charlie McBride's on the way. Let's hear from Fred Hoiberg. This is a little bit longer cut, but Fred's take on things last night, cut one, his reaction to, uh, to how things went down, and uh, Nebraska almost got it handled on the road. It's who they are. They're 12th in the nation in offensive rebound percentage. And, uh, you know, I thought at times we did a solid job, but not, not enough in the second half. They, they pretty much dominated, dominated it physically in, in the second half. And you find a way to get some of those rebounds. You know, maybe it doesn't come down to that last possession. But, you know, I'm really proud of the guys for the resolve that they showed tonight. As I told them in the locker room, now we know we can do it. And you're playing one of the top teams in the country on their home floor in an unbelievable environment. 
and you have a chance to win. You have a lead with under five seconds to go in regulation, even though we got uh, out-rebounded by 17. And that's, that's the, the theme for us. We've talked a lot about taking care of the basketball and rebounding. And when we do both, we generally win. When we take care of one, we're in a close game like we were tonight. If we get beaten both and we turn it over and give up offensive rebounds, uh, we get it handed to us. So, you know, we got to find a way to turn up the physicality. Uh, you know, we again, I've talked about this a lot. When teams start getting on us, getting the offensive rebounds, they just seem to, uh, uh, you know, just it just goes in the wrong direction. So, you know, proud of them. They, uh, they showed a lot of fight. Uh, what had nothing to do with effort. I thought our guys played extremely hard. And when you're down 10 on the road with under four to go, it's tough to come back. But we score 11 in a row. I think 11 to one, unfortunately, the one was the one that sent it to overtime. But, you know, again, we showed we can do it. Uh, just got to clean some things up and, and turn around. Another quick turnaround. I don't know. It seems like we played 100 games. I mean, we play every two days. Um, so we got to get ready for a tough Northwestern team on, uh, on Wednesday night. So Fred is all class. Fred's a pro. And Fred, again, if if you got him over a beer and sat him down, is probably not going to ask for that type of officiating again. Hmm. But he owns where they were deficient, and that was the offensive glass, right? We hit on it. He started off with that. He didn't whine or complain. I don't think it's... I, I look into the the comment of, well, we had the lead with five seconds left. And, and he's right. He's pointing out a fact. He doesn't need to go into the, yeah, my sixth man of the year got absolutely screwed on a phantom call. And and he he is so mild-mannered. It's not that he doesn't get boisterous or voice his opinion. The guy's not a robot, but he just picks his spots. And even with some of those home games in at PBA, there's been some just a hole calls, just just airhead misses, and and no one's going to be perfect. I get it, but man, I mean, for him to to be as demonstrative with some of these last home games, and then you go on the road, dude, I'd have been tossed. I had been yep. absolutely tossed within 15 minutes well, so, so, of that ball game. Something I want to note here is he called the Wilchers call a phantom call. I wouldn't call it a phantom call based on the rulebook. I would call it a phantom it's call a phantom based, call on, how based on how the game was called. Yeah, that's based absolutely. how the game was called, yeah. phantom call. Sure, I just want to make sure that's that's clear. We're not I, There was contact, mm-hmm. but compared to what there, else was there, called there, during there, the game? Really, there wasn't contact in, if we're talking comparison. If you're talking comparison compared to which other things that went which, uncalled. Which, which I am. Yes. Okay. We can go there. And that's why, like, if, if Fred went and got himself went, went full Chris Collins and got himself fined after that game but because it, he decided Chris, to go. Look at that. And that's another glaring example of Big Ten officiating. I mean, look, do, look do, at, do you look wonder? Look at him go nuts. Chris Collins, dude, is, is, is a lot like Fred when it comes to, to being calm. And, and, I mean, even Underwood's a psycho. We, I know. we all know Underwood's a psycho. They made he, light, they made he, light he, about on the broadcast last night. He though. looks psycho. Man, Underwood hasn't picked up a tee this year. That's the, the first tee he's picked up all year. Do you not Is there a think bonus in the contract? Refs do their preparation before they come into these games. Do you think they don't know that Underwood hasn't picked up a, a tech all year long? 
they're going to know they're the first people to give him a tech. And that's kind of what I'm saying here with, with Fred to go scorched earth. I, I'd give him a full pass <laughs> if, if he's getting a fine because people know your reputation and they know you don't go scorched earth. And they know, really, you pissed off Hoiberg. You were awful. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's in your mind. That's in the ref's mind next game whenever Nebraska's on the road against Northwestern. Hey, we got two coaches here. We got one that just got ejected. And we got one who just got fined by the Big Ten. I guess they both could have gotten fined. You, you'd have that in the back of your mind as an official and go, hey, we need to be on top of our game here. You know how bad – I mean, think if, like, Fred – Fred would be – think for him to go nuts, like, seeing that. It's happened probably before. But for him to lose it and start throwing stuff, like that crazy look in his eye, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Fred's going to lose his mind. He uh, – that would be a, a sight to behold, mm-hmm. to see Fred absolutely lose it. For, cause, because of how out of character it would be. Yes. It would be scary because you don't see it. You see him kind of pacing around the sideline, arms folded, and you can see his, in his face and his eyes, he'll wear it on his sleeve, the frustration. Uh, also, if, if Fred picked a moment during that game to lose his mind, I think the last three minutes, last five minutes in overtime may have been officiated differently. I mean, he'll, he'll you know, kind of put his hands together or point or, or walk closer to the officials. And you get more flies with Honey. Totally understand how he goes about it. And above all, be better at rebounding. But also be able to get some calls if you are trying to box out and it's piggyback time. Someone's going over your back and climbing over you to get an offensive rebound with no call. And I'll, I'll say as, a, as an umpire, if, you have, if I have a coach that's always been nothing but nice to me my entire time umpiring for him and he goes nuclear on me once sticks with you well, as, as an official it's 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 not only the the timing of it but this guy's not been in my grill that often mm-hmm. i mean it, it it has more of an impact that means more last thought from fred here on tomanaga hey, listen the people were up in arms what's going on with casey he had two games where he didn't make shots he's too good of a shooter he's too good of an offensive player for that to last and you know he came out and really got it going for us i thought he missed some blockouts in the other end got to be better there it's a tough matchup you know when casey's matched up with gary at six eight six nine um you know you just got to go out and seek contact i thought our zone gave us some good possessions but we just stopped rebounding out of it and they uh i had to go back uh to the man but you know it was uh, again a, g- a good effort and was good to see case they get it going again tiger shark diver says i had to call my psychiatrist last night uh that's not far off because that's the the mental state of a lot of nebraska basketball fans wanting to help will this team into a tournament jim asks doesn't fred have to keep calm due to his heart condition i think there's probably some health factors in there but just above all the demeanor's a good demeanor to have. Uh, Connor Clark will check in via the video stream. Hey, I'm not supposed to eat, eat French fries because of my gut, but I still do it sometimes anyway. You know? Sure. No, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. Uh, we'll switch off to a little football here. A couple of uh, points to make. And one, uh, Keona Wilhite, that four-star Russian that's able to, to, uh, to, to leave Washington with DeBoer's departure. It looked like UCLA was the team. You've had more and more news about Chip Kelly trying to find an OC spot in the NFL. Is it Kingsbury? I get the, the former Texas Tech quarterbacks confused. Kingsbury, yeah, he's the yeah. one who is off to, uh, to Washington. He's to Washington, but it sounded like he was going to go to Las Vegas. Go to Vegas, yes. Which now leaves an interesting opening there. It, it, Whether the, it be Holgerson, which I haven't heard the name float around, but no. Chip Kelly's name's been floated around because it sounds like he well, might Chip be even, to get out of UCLA. It sounded like Chip even 
inquired about Iowa. I'm not kidding. Like, just get me the hell out of having to recruit. Talk about a match made in hell. Oh. Well, or, <laughs> Kirk Ferentz and Chip Kelly. Or it could have been that Iowa defense with a, a run game that is returned to prominence. Anywho, look, there's not a lot of stability right now with UCLA. It doesn't feel like. And uh, Will Height, I think by, by Wednesday's rule presser, will be or should be in with Nebraska. Uh, and maybe there's an announcement to come from him. I mean, when, when Terrence in the near future hops on Twitter with his boom gif, right. that, that means within short order a defensive line commit will be announced. Right. That is, that is the indication. If you guys are not out there, the people who are listening are not on Twitter, now known as X, Coach uh, Knighton put a gif up on Twitter that was Pot just Pot roast is sending smoke signals. It was just boom. And when that happens, that means there's a defensive line commit coming within the coming days. He has heard something that we haven't heard regarding a commitment. That's what it means. He put that up this weekend. Most likely Will Height. I think he could probably look at Jalen Williams as well, but that'd be pretty early in Jalen mm-hmm. Williams' recruitment to, to lock it in. But Nebraska has been heavy on his heels. Sure. All I know, within the coming days, Nebraska will likely have another defensive line commit in those are the class of 2024 with Will Height, 2025 with Williams. Those seem the most likely candidates. And really, when you compare the two, Will Height seems to be the most likely candidate. Uh, Dion wants a two-hour rule presser. I don't know how long it's going to go Wednesday at 11, Dion, but we'll be there and we'll uh, rewind it for you. Uh, last thought here, Rex Burkhead, thank you. Mm. Thank you, Rex Burkhead, for what you did for, for Jack and the Hoffman family. Rex Burkhead, thank you for making your time in Nebraska just a ton of fun to cover. You were awesome. You were awesome. You and Amir in that backfield, you were a big-time offense. Let me add, Rex, thank you for Ohio State 2011. Yeah, you and Levante. I mean, that's the Rex Burkhead-Levante-David game where Rex took over, hit the the R1 button and kind of jump cut his way into the end zone on a swing pass that looked doomed. The mother of all football comebacks. So Rex has hung it up. Retirement. We are out to Rex for Super Bowl week. Uh, Rex, of course, is making his announcement today uh, that he is retiring from the NFL. We talked to, yeah, we talked to Rex last year about this time with Super Bowl, and of course the team Jack Gala that's coming up here in February uh, to to continue to raise funds and awareness for pediatric brain cancer. So Rex is just the, the best dude ever. Rex was. We were downtown in the uh, in the old Haymarket at, a, at an ice cream place. It was me and Mama and Junior. And Junior, I think, was oh, maybe five, four or five. And there was this ice cream spot we were at that had you know a staircase that went up to a second floor. And Junior was watching Kangaroo Jack and said, hey, I'm going to jump from here. Well, he jumped. And I think he landed and was caught by Burkhead. Rex was there with his girlfriend getting ice cream. He's like, Schmidt, what's your kid doing? He wants to fly into the end zone like you, Rex. But just the best dude ever. Ten ten years from a six-round pick. Wow. Connor Clark's with us next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Charlie McBride on the way. And we'll check in with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker and NFLer. NFLer. Got an echo here. Better now. Wonderful. Connor Clark is uh, in uh, in Chicago, buried for the uh, upcoming Northwestern Nebraska game. He'll be on KRNU with that. Connor was on hand last night. 
Connor cites the sounds, the officiating, the, the Nebraska effort. Take us through your adventure last evening and what a ball game. Yeah, I mean, great college basketball game. I think it exceeded my expectations, certainly, um, and a lot of Husker fans' expectations as well. Um, I really admired the group's you know, resiliency, their fight down the stretch. They could have easily rolled over when it was a 10-point game with about three and a half minutes left. Uh, I personally thought that Terrence Shannon Jr. three from the corner was a dagger. Clearly it wasn't because they ended up forcing overtime. But, yeah, great game overall. Um, obviously, you know, you could go back and forth about the officiating. I think people we have. <laughs> yes. I think people watching on TV have more of a gripe about it than I do just because it was a little bit harder to tell from my vantage point uh, at the State Farm Center. Uh, but certainly a couple of things you could go over. Um, but overall, I mean, if you're a Nebraska fan, I think you're not too upset about it because it was a game that could have gotten away from you at multiple moments. It didn't. They forced overtime. They gave themselves a chance to win. Um, and Tomonaga put on arguably a master class for him as well. So that was great to see him uh, break out after a couple of tough games for him. Are you going to go to the, the, the refereeing, Connor, and, and how it was officiated late in that ball game? My take is this, and, and I've kind of talked about it in a roundabout way. Nebraska had plenty of opportunities that wouldn't have involved the refs, whether it be better boxing out defensively so you don't give uh, Illinois as many second-chance points. A better decision from Tomonaga late to not put Rink on that island 30 feet from the rim with Terrence Shannon closing down on him. You get a better possession there, so you don't have to, to put it in the ref's hands to call a foul. But at the end of the day, I think some decisions from the referees did swing the result of that game. Is that a, a fair assessment from what we saw last night? Yeah, I think you could point to a couple of moments. Um, obviously, the foul at the end of regulation against Domask, people are upset about that. Probably a little bit soft. There was a travel that was certainly missed uh, against Marcus Domask as well. He even tweeted about it saying, yeah, I might have gotten away with one there. Uh, so that tells you all you need to know. Uh, another thing that I had a big problem with was the dunk that was thrown out of bounds and it was called Illinois ball. Everybody in the stadium obviously wanted a foul because you're at Illinois. I believe it was Rink. He was straight up and it was either Gary or uh, somebody else going up for the dunk. And he cocked it back and Mass was straight up, jumped straight up and he cocked it back to dunk it and just kind of threw it out of bounds. Yeah. And it was off Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, apparently. So that was one that was, you know, uh, if he, there were a couple other ones, the, the steal or the steal that wasn't a steal uh, by Sam Hoiberg in the corner, uh, that was another one. But I agree with Elijah's first point. I think you're, you still, if you're Nebraska, you give yourselves plenty of opportunity to win that game. I mean, there were some costly turnovers, uh, an unneeded heat check by Tomonaga early in the game that turned into a big swing for Illinois. Um, a couple of costly turnovers later in the second half. Again, Nebraska did what they did to keep themselves in the game and, and give themselves, quite frankly, a chance to win. But I, I can totally understand why people are upset about uh, a couple of calls there. And, you know, we're, we're commenting and relaying the comments on the Streamhale Varsity YouTube. Subscribe there. Connor Clark on the road covering Nebraska basketball for KRNU and uh, did the play-by-play of Nebraska-Illinois last night on the radio. He'll have Nebraska-Northwestern. We'll check in in Evanston with Connor Wednesday as well. But is as many missed opportunities as Nebraska had, the fact that, that they get whistled with five seconds left and they have the lead, there's a strong argument for the thing being taken from Nebraska. 
This wasn't 1994 Missouri, Nebraska uh, bad, but this was all around awful. And the the bigger picture is we, we've had a lot of instances with officiating, not just with Nebraska and last night, but you had Coach Collins get launched and then find you've had some really poor officiating this year for the Big Ten. And people have been bitching and moaning about it forever on Twitter. And it's been about every fan base. The Big Ten fans aren't unified for much. I mean, you have your common teams you dislike. But there's been a real fervor against the officiating this year. Yeah, I feel like Big Ten officiating has kind of always had that, you know, stereotype, for lack of a better term, that they've been subpar. And this year you mentioned the whole Chris Collins thing. And, I mean, I I was listening to a couple of podcasts about that whole situation, and they were looking at the box score, and the people on the show were like, well, we don't really judge the officiating performance based off of free throw discrepancy, but how could you not in that one? 48 to – or 46 to 8 – I mean, I've never seen anything like that. So I think Chris Collins had every right to be upset about that. Um, Obviously, an all-time ejection from him. A lot of people had a lot of issues with Wisconsin and Purdue earlier on Sunday because it all comes down to how do you guard Zach Eady? What are you you allowed to do to the Giants? Yeah, right, because he's bigger than everybody else. So a lot of people have problems with that. And a lot of Purdue fans have problems with how some people do guard Eady because they feel that, uh, it is also illegal, and then obviously last night you have a couple of missed calls, a couple of things go against Nebraska, obviously a, a foul call with less than five seconds when you have the lead. I mean, that that's just kind of a, a really tough spot uh, to be put in. And uh, overall, yeah, I mean, everybody's got their issues with, with some sort of ref and crew, and I feel like the last couple of weeks really haven't served Big Ten stripes very well. Well, the artist formerly known as KG Kids for Life, hate for officials and having your signals stolen by stallions is the only thing that unites all of the Big Ten. (laughs) Except UM. (laughs) Can't argue with that. It's it's been rough. Connor, as we look ahead to, to Wednesday with Northwestern, I guess the best way to put it is can Nebraska replicate that road performance? Was that a flash in the pan or do you think they found something? I think they found something because when you go back and watch the Maryland game, I mean, it looked like they had no resemblance of an offense whatsoever. They didn't run any sets. They were settling for shots, most of which were deep threes, and they were hitting them early in the game, but that's not sustainable. I think against Illinois, they played a legitimate basketball game. They they ran some good things offensively. They stepped up defensively when they needed to. That switch to a zone in the second half kind of messed up the whole rebounding system that they had going on. You saw Jawan Gary get a little bit of, uh, visibly frustrated down the stretch because Nebraska struggled on the glass. But overall, I, I think that gives you as a fan confidence about this team playing on the road. I know they still haven't won, but they gave themselves a real shot to against one of the better teams in your league. And I thought they played a pretty complete 45 minutes. I mean, they were maybe one or two plays short from winning that game. So uh, that gives me confidence going forward. I think the game on Wednesday night is going to be a really, really good one. Both Northwestern and Nebraska have played back-to-back overtime games heading into Wednesday night. So that's going to be really interesting. Nebraska only trails Northwestern by a half game for fourth place in the league, too. So there's a lot going into this game. So uh, I, I think last night gave you confidence as a Nebraska fan and really the team that saying, hey, even though you lost in overtime, you overcame some pretty difficult hurdles in that game and you put together a pretty solid 45 minutes. 
Connor, we'll check in with you Wednesday. Thanks again for jumping on and uh, appreciate uh, the call last night. And thanks for uh, giving us some insight on site in Champaign. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you Wednesday. All right. There he is, Connor Clark. Hail Varsity Winds Down Hour 1. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour podcast where you can find us if you want to rewind or are on your timeline. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hail Varsity Radio. Subscribe. We Appreciate you doing so there and give us a rating, good, bad, ugly, and uh, we'll take the feedback. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel, subscribe and like, not just what we do in the afternoon, but of course, Herdant Sports in the morning and uh, all the content, press conferences, interviews, and then all the other social platforms with uh, TikTok and uh, the uh, Instagram account. I mean, just awesome content. Uh, with Hale Varsity. Uh, Twitter can find the show at HVarsity Radio. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Find me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio. Reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel. Eyes focused straight ahead. The driver has one job. That's to drive this message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. So I was all foam and no beer with my want to uh, to drive to the sports book and put heat down we were kind of tongue-in-cheek jokingly nebraska's on the road so i hope no one took my advice and bet the mortgage you know you know what to do (laughs) well did you do you ever get listen i know it's it's revisionist but do you ever get these gut feelings as i'm you know finishing up at the gym and getting ready to to go to the bar (laughs) Um, I, I'm like, I just, I got, I think Nebraska is going to play well today. That 10 and a half is, is what's also crazy is like our, our Friday forecast. We were right on with our point spread predictions before the point spreads about a side hustle. We'll put points out there. Uh, Chris and Elijah, Vegas handicap. Yeah, right. Uh, but I mean, I just had kind of a gut feel that they'd play well. And even when they got to 10, I mean, it was impressive, for Nebraska to close on that run where they got stops, they got rebounds. The thing that I think this team can morph into these final few games is a team that that really focuses down and can get stops and make some plays. It's a want-to thing. They're capable of doing it, but it takes a lot of energy and focus and it's that way across college basketball and football, frankly. Is the same team going to show up every game? You, 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 you want consistency, and that's what coaches swear, is the difference between your playoff teams, you're, you're uber-talented, and you're deep. But from a personality standpoint, they're the same team every game. And that's so rare in college ball. It's rare in sports. Can, can I throw some cold water on this really fast, though? Just this whole thing with, with Nebraska yesterday. It wasn't perfect. Like let's let's not act like this is a performance that it was a lot better. It was a lot better. Yes, it was no, a lot it, better. It, but but they went dude, up against the com- Illinois team. Illinois by ran comparison. A by how, comparison, it looks it looked damn near perfect. No, no. Illinois had a clinic at the end of that game and how to blow a lead. 
It's like how to blow a lead in five easy steps. They didn't uh, make shots. Pa- pass up open shots. They passed up a whole bunch of open shots to run the clock, which you get. But then you're missing front ends of one and ones. You're not taking advantage of your trips to the line. You're sloppy with the basketball. How many? But, 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 like, like, like the, Illinois, the is, Illinois they, tried everything they could they to blow that basketball game. They had 15 more free throw attempts, though, dude. And I, I get that. I, I get that. But it took a Herculean blow it type Illinois effort from Illinois for Nebraska to back into that. It, it was better. But let's not act like that was the performance that is like, yeah, Nebraska should have won all their road games from no, here on out. There's Nebraska, still a lot of problems. Nebraska made, made is, is bad as Illinois was, Nebraska also made yes. some plays down the stretch. It was an improvement. I'll, Illinois I'll is a that. team that is good enough to get to an Elite Eight with their athleticism and talent. But they may be lucky to get to the round of 32 or Sweet 16. This is Christian Peter. I'm sorry, but the stories I have about Charlie are not appropriate for the public. The right case of the Mondays. It's Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're doing all right. So we'll run down Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt. Get his take on the Super Bowl and some uh, spring football topics as uh, Nebraska is still in their winter conditioning phase. David chimes in on the stream. A lot of basketball thoughts and talk. Nebraska's NCAA tournament starts Wednesday night. You can't lose a game at home uh, like the women did to Rutgers. You are amen. Absolutely right, David. Uh, Nebraska has some winnable and losable games. You'd think they'd hold serve at home, but you got to go get this one, I think, Wednesday at Northwestern to uh, to keep uh, in good standing with the tournament, with where you're at. And right now you're, you're one of the last few teams in the dance. Let's welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself, a Monday with Charlie. We say hi to Coach McBride as we kick off the Blackshirt Hour. Coach, how was the weekend? Thanks for a few uh, minutes today. Oh, it was it was good. You know, I last night I watched the game, but jumped out of my chair a few times. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> that basketball's getting to me. I think. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't blame you. I we were talking before the the top of the hour here. I was like, I wonder how, how Coach McBride handled last night and and well how did you handle last night i know you said you just about jumped out of your chair but we've been well elijah's been better than me i've been beating up the officials a little bit and i don't like to do that i mean there were things nebraska should have done better but there were some real horse bleep calls or no calls well the thing that got me i mean i don't know why it did but it I was watching the TV, and they had a timeout, and they scanned back to the Illinois bench, and the Illinois coach was there, and all of a sudden the official comes over and holds his hand up next to his mouth and whispers in his ear. I figured, well, that guy's got points. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I uh, uh, I thought, you know, the one thing is, is I always look at it probably different than some people. I look at it. Yeah, how hard they played, and they played hard, and to me, that's all you can ask, you know. And uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of, you know, the the numbers of wins and losses sometimes, you know, doesn't mean a lot if you got if your kids are just going like heck all the time. And he, you know, after they 
had a couple of real thinking spells there for a while. I, you know, I was kind of worried about them, but I think they've got to know each other better and practice together better more. And now I think they, you know, they're. I think they get better every time they go out. So we'll see how it goes in the end. But I know they're trying hard. Well, they they did a a great job of being resilient. They played confident. Like they played as confident on the road as they did at home, and that's been an issue. They didn't, they weren't perfect, but they didn't play, uh, they didn't look the same to your point like they have in some other instances uh, with Maryland and, and the way they got beat at Rutgers. They still get whacked on the rebounding, but that's just something they're going to have to keep working on. And coach, you, uh, you, you, you know football, but I think you, you know enough basketball as far as loving the sport. That's the work in progress, isn't it? Trying to toughen your yeah. guys up. I mean, and that's just right. it. This team's tough at it's times. Tough. Can they be tough all the time? Well, I think a lot of it has to do, you know, that there's a lot of guys that are really tough, but when they don't know exactly what they're doing, they're thinking a lot of times, and they take the toughness out of their system for their thinking. And, ah, okay. You know, they can't just turn it loose and, and uh, you know, really play with the tons of confidence but that's what i'm seeing they look more like a a, a, kind of like a smoother basketball team you know it doesn't at first when when we started the year out we were doing okay but we were we looked like we were playing street ball almost Mm -hmm. you know and uh now they they know each other and i think each week with with practice and i think coach said something beforeward that he really had some tough practices and more than they've been, you know, uh, during the year. And I know that's probably helped a little bit, you know, not to – because there's a lot of guys that come in here that have never done that before. I don't care if they go to a junior college or a high school or whatever it is. You know, a lot of guys don't know what a really a hard practice really is. And, and I know for a fact that at Michigan State, he put football gear on them, the shoulder pads and helmets. It wasn't going to be tough, and then they went and practiced. And, and they stoned each other for a while. I mean, I don't know what they went through, but I know that he did that. It's Charlie McBride with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. We talk Husker basketball. They're toughening up. And, and coaches, you talk about toughening up. How do you as a coach, this isn't just pertain to basketball, but really really any sport, in a, in a season where – Everything that can go wrong has gone wrong on the road. It's looked bad. You finally have a chance to win one, and then you're either a couple plays away, maybe a couple calls away from getting a win. You don't get it done. How do you keep that positive as opposed to letting this team get negative and get down on themselves? Because that's the two directions you can go from that. Yeah. I think with the the basketball this year, it's just been confidence and and with each other, not not really, really knowing each other as players. You know, these guys, like I said, most of these guys play together year-round. And, uh, you know, I, these guys haven't had that chance, and that means a lot. I mean, you know, I've said a thousand times, it starts in the weight room, and the players have to decide how good they want to be. You could, Coaches can push you and yell and scream and do all that stuff, but they have to want to really want to do it, and and that's where I think they're, they're starting to get, you know, what's, everybody's starting to, know each other to feel feel responsible for each other and uh that's that's kind of what you have to go through with young people 
And and so that's why I've always kind of started them out kind of. It, they they probably think I'm a little bit wacko. <laughs> so when I you know I get I'm hard on them and and I want to see what they they can handle and I can tell you know just by watching them uh, what kids can do what in certain situations and pretty soon you know you know well some guys they can yell at and some you can't and some you you know it's just. And there are certain things that turn on certain kids, that, uh, and you know, you got to know what buttons to push. And I think that's where the coaches are starting to learn too. And so, uh, you know, to me, that's confidence in each other. That you know, and you know, it's a brotherhood. And and if you get one or two guys that don't want to do what they what everybody's doing, they can break the brotherhood up pretty easy. I mean, it's easy to. Uh, it's hard to build something. It's easy to tear it down. And uh, I think they've all gotten to a point where they learn in their roles, you know, as a basketball team, you know, they, they're learning their roles a lot better. And the coach is learning a lot about, you know, what kind of roles fit these kids. And, I mean, you hear them mentioning that all the time, you know, that uh, he changed his role or he did this or that. He found out that he doesn't, he fits in a better situation so you know it, it goes it goes like it goes like a thermometer <laughs> back and forth but when they get to know each other they all on the same page coach, that gonna, helps. excuse me coach gonna ask you about the super bowl it's charlie mcbride a monday with charlie and it's san francisco it's kansas city the chiefs are trying to get back to back in their third super bowl and Chiefs defense, Niners offense, and, of course, the two quarterbacks, different stories. Are you excited about Sunday? Do you think this will be a classic? Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a, a, it'll be a, it'll be a real good game because I think that they both, you know, I think the uh, confidence and, um, you know, the, the quarterbacks, especially, especially at San Francisco, mm-hmm. Have really improved o- over the year, and and you know some. That's what happens. You get enough. You get enough practice or playing with guys. They make you better, and that's what's happened at San Francisco. He, he he's he's feeling a responsibility to to what he has to do for the rest of the team, and and not worrying about, well, I'm going to make a mistake or something like that. You can't do that when you're a great team. you got to just play. And all that other stuff comes naturally. I mean, you you have, it, you know, when guys fumble or when that happens, it's not, it's not it's because somebody did something on the other side that was exactly right that made you do it. And that, you know, it wasn't your, you know, it wasn't like, you were intended to or weren't prepared for something like that. They all try as hard as they can, and especially in this game, and you, you, you can tell the difference. You get in the playoffs, everybody says the same thing. Boy, wait till you get to the playoffs. Why aren't you playing like that all the time? <laughs> you know, it's my question. How, how come you're not, you know, playing like this all the time? And, uh, you say, well, it's just just during the playoffs or whatever. What's the deal? And so you, you know, right there, they're telling you that their mindset is 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 different sometimes. It's those guys that want to keep going and keep going are the guys that win. Well, Charlie, the saying has been out there for uh, for a long time. We get your thoughts on it. I'm sure somebody else will say it this week. 
Uh, maybe I'll just be the first. Offense wins games, defense wins championships. You've seen that with the uh, the Chiefs, especially this year, where their defense has really stepped up in the postseason and has carried them to the Super Bowl. The 49ers have had a great defense for a long time. Uh, I think if you look at it right now, you might give the advantage based on how they've played recently to the Chiefs' defense, despite the 49ers' defense stepping up when it's mattered the past couple games. Do you still think in modern football, though, that that saying holds true, that offense wins games and defense wins championships? Uh, I don't think so. A lot of times I think the defense just hangs in there and the offense is really exceptional and you win. I mean, that, you know, that, that you can see that. Um, that that's been our case sometimes. I, you know, you see uh, when we were, when I was coaching and, and no matter what level you're at, uh, you know, that, that can, you can always, you know, find that ladder when it, when it comes to, but, uh, Winning is is a is a not a sometimes thing with 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 your players. Winning is an all time, all the times thing, you know. And and so if if you can if you can get them to play as hard as they can play, and they get beat, and you know they're playing as hard as they can, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Now the fans are gonna they're you're gonna get it. Okay, I mean, you're going to get it, but again, it's 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 a it's all it's all in the mind. I think a lot of times, and and how you feel about your your brothers, you know, that you're playing with, you don't want to let them down. And uh, I don't know, it it's it's a crazy thing because a lot of times with each team is different. But I'll tell you one thing: the one thing I do know is that they don't score. They don't win. So that's the way I've looked at it as being a defensive coach. I mean, if we lose like we lost to Arizona State 19 to nothing, well, that's, we, had, we had a bad day on offense. You hear Tom saying, well, I, I, what about us? We stuffed the joint up because we gave 19 points. And mm-hmm. giving people 19 points nowadays, the way to throw the ball isn't a bad deal, but it, it wasn't good enough. And, and it wasn't all the offense. I'll guarantee you that. Coach, going to wind down and get your thoughts on Rex Burkhead. He retired today. Rex is 10 years in the NFL, great career in Lincoln, and a nice recruit out of Plano, Texas. I think you remember Rex. And uh, what an what a ambassador for Nebraska and beyond. He's tougher than a box of rocks, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and that sometimes <laughs> isn't good. I mean, I coached Mike Webster, and he was, uh, of course, the first one they really found out about CTE and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things I always worry about, guys that are running backs and, that, that, you know, they're banging around all the time and, and been that many years in. You just hope everything's going to be okay for them in the future, you know, and uh, he, he's, he's the kind of guy that is, you, you know, a lot of times I think the word loyal is hit the bricks, but mm-hmm. he's one of them that is, you know, a loyal person and a lawyer. You can, he, he's that kind of a player too. Mm-hmm. You know, he plays, he plays for his partners. And um, that, that's the thing I think when he gets done and really sits down and thinks about it, He's going to think about his teammates before he thinks about himself. Totally agree with you. And uh, he is from a a uh, 
Well, his his mentality from a bygone era. I mean, it was cool uh, to watch him play in Lincoln. Got a prediction for us at all, San Fran or Kansas City? Where are you leaning? I, I, you know, I, I, I'm leaning. I hope Kansas City wins, I guess, because I've always kind of been a little bit, you know, we're living close. I, yeah. I don't favor it to them, but it, it's always, you know, it's always good to, to, to see some, somebody else have you know enjoy the the best part of their their career mm-hmm. and um I, i'll be happy if the 49ers win i mean i'm not going to go around and moping because kansas city didn't win that's for sure mm-hmm. but uh you know i i feel pretty even on this i mean as far as just i don't say you know i won't be sitting in my chair on pins and needles no you'll enjoy you know, enjoy the I'll moment enjoy it i'll enjoy it enjoy the game more probably I like it. If, uh, if Kansas City wins, I'll be happy, and the 49ers win, I'll be happy, too. Enjoy the game, but, but more think, importantly, think, enjoy I some wins. What, I, think, I think the 49ers probably are, are really about ready to pop. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, it's about, you know, they've had a little bit of an on-and-off year, but I think that they've got the people that can do it. Coach, we'll check in next Monday with some thoughts. Thanks for the time today. Okay. Good talking to you. Good to Not chat, bud. Not <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you later, guys. Thanks. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity. The Blackshirt Hour commences. Jay Moore with us, Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Find him on Twitter at jmore44. And uh, you see him on Big Red Wrap-Up during the Husker football season. Jay Bird, I think you just got whistled for a foul. Uh, how are you doing? Are you able to cope with a little hoops drama last night? Man, just... You know, going into it, you knew it was going to be a tough task. Obviously, playing on the, they struggled playing on the road, but then a really good basketball team in Illinois. Um, you know, things got off to you know up a half. You know, well, good start. You know, mm-hmm. things kind of get away from me a little bit there in the second half. Some rebounding issues that we've seen all year kind of rear its ugly head. But they battled, man. They fought and they battled. You, you know, they get that late bucket to mass there. A nice little post up. Uh, bank shot in there and boom then another ticky tack foul called on um, Wilcher and a lot of it's what's funny is as we were chatting just before you know it's it, it seems like you know Nebraska had everything done to them nothing would get called but then as soon as Illinois anything little you know I mean they, re- they reviewed a a flop I mean essentially when uh, it was towards the end of the game, and you know, the uh, Alec, you know, reaches out his arm in a box out. Clearly, just is across the chest, and the guy just flops. They don't even call a foul; but they check it for a flagrant one. It's like, what are we doing here? I mean, Casey uh, absolutely gets taken down to the ground on an over the back that should have been called. That wasn't called. I mean, you could argue that you know, um, Mass and the, you know, getting stripped. You know, he took off his right arm getting stripped there so i mean there's a lot of there was a lot of calls and i think um 
you know, Underwood getting that tech early in the in the game um, kind of might, might have set the tone for how that game was called. But you got to love the fight. Uh, you can't ever count them out. You know, being down you know, as much as they were to Wisconsin and being down 10 late in this game, too, and, and they find a way to battle back, going 11-1 run. And everyone's, I mean, Casey had a nice bounce back after struggling against Wisconsin. You know, C.J. Wiltshire, who kind of was the guy to go to in the Wisconsin game, you know, wasn't didn't have his best stuff. But it just, you know, the nice thing is guys are stepping up when they need to step up. And they played well enough to win um, last night and should, probably should have got the win. But, uh, you know, it, you still are looking for that one road win. I, I, I did see that you know, even though with a with a overtime loss, you know, whatever, I can't remember if it was the, the net rankings or whatever it is. I saw they did, you know, they bumped up, you know, a, a few spots as well. So um, some good can come out of that. I think they're going to get some wins. They're going to have to get some wins because uh, really no one left in the schedule is ranked. Uh, and it's kind of on the bottom half of, of the Big Ten. So they have to continue to play hard, play solid, because you can't have a lapse now at this time, you know, in, in, Mar- in February, um, these last, what, seven games they have left uh, to, to finish this thing out strong and, and hopefully secure yourself, you know, an at-large bid in, in, the, in March and, and at least get a night or two off in the Big Ten tournament too. You know, we've been in those early play on, playing games and you just, you just you have no chance. So uh, love, love the fight. Um, Got to continue to play hard and, and, you know, get yourself, you'd like to think six more wins would be, would be the ideal number to shoot for uh, to finish out February and March. Jay Moore's with us at Tail Varsity Radio. Blackshirt Hours. Some thoughts on hoops. You saw Nebraska play confident and as confident as they play at PBA. You saw them play that confident on the road against number fourteen, a projected three seed. Let's see if they uh, they they play angry and composed Wednesday against Northwestern. Jay, we'll get to Super Bowl thoughts as it is Chiefs and uh, Niners in in a moment, but. Guy that that we we covered and and I know Elijah watched growing up uh, hangs it up after ten years in the NFL. Want to spend a minute here on Rex Burkhead, and uh, you know Rex a nice uh, thank you tribute on social media. Four years with Cincy, uh, four years with uh, Coach Belichick in New England. Still remember that AFC overtime touchdown he got on a counter. Uh, for New England's last Super Bowl berth. Uh, you go back a few years, uh, they did that in Arrowhead on the road. It's like four degrees. And then two years with uh, his home state Texans. Then he hangs it up. What What's Rex uh, to you as, as, a, as a fellow former Husker? Yeah, just like uh, I've met Rex maybe once or twice. You know, he was, you know, my last year was 2006, I think. Rex got there in 2010-ish, mm-hmm. around that time. Um, but just a hard worker, you know. If if you had if you had daughters, uh, a guy that you'd want to marry your daughter, that's you know just that good of dude. Um, and you know his his efforts and involvement with the Team Jack Foundation will always stand out. And what's that's kind of what he's t- been able to help out and taking that to. Um, but obviously a, a fantastic football player you know just the came in from big 12 in the big 10 uh, and i just think of you know that that first year in the big big 10 you know getting that win at home against ohio state and, and rex having a huge night 
but obviously just parlaying that into a great NFL career because listen, he, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't a surefire first round, you know, guy. Uh, and honestly, just the, the stereotypes, right. A, a, a white running back does not usually work well for a guy in the NFL, but he makes it, he makes it work and, uh, did a heck of a job, um, playing, you know, and just sticking with it. Had started off early with Cincinnati uh, as a special teams role. And then, you know, eventually continues to play the special teams role, but gets with the Patriots and then, you know, finishes out his career with, with, uh, with the Texans. And uh, 10 years, man, I don't care what, uh, <laughs> what position or whatever, you, you get to double-digit years in the NFL. Um, that, is, that is impressive. That is very, very impressive. Everything that he – did and um he he definitely deserves it and um i know he's going to enjoy retirement and and get to see his kids and and play sports and do all those things that you know he probably missed out on during the fall but just a hell of a career um a hell of a husker and uh yeah happy happy for him that you know and the best thing is he was able to go out on his terms i was not able to go out my own terms you know i was um, a lot of guys that play in this in a professional sport uh Sometimes you have to retire even though you don't want to because you're just – you don't have any more options, right? And uh, either you're not good enough or you're hurt or whatever it is. Uh, he was healthy, and uh, he was able to kind of finish on his own terms, and um, that is that – is a, that's a great accomplishment for, for, for Rex and, you know, how he's able to finish his career. Jay, I think the, the best Huskers all have their own nickname. You got Johnny the Jet, the Sandman, Touchdown Tommy, Sexy Rexy, I think, uh, <laughs> firmly belongs on there on the, the nickname hierarchy. What are your thoughts? What Husker moment is going to stand out in your memory as being the, the defining Rex Burkhead moment? You have the, the Team Jack moment, amazing. The, yeah. the comeback against Ohio State, Rex Burkhead scoring that touchdown. Well, what moment to you stands out as being the definitive Rex Burkhead moment at Nebraska? Gosh, dang. I, honestly, I... I had mentioned, I, I think that Ohio State game, you know, and uh, we got, you know, Nebraska got to a slow start. I gosh, who was, who was the quarterback of Ohio State that got hurt? A number five. Braxton Miller. There you go, Brax. He got, you know, rolled up his ankle. You think of Levante David gets forced to the fumble. Then Rex gets those two touchdowns late in the second half. You know, gets a little swing pass, makes one guy miss, runs straight in, you know, with, from a Taylor Martinez pass. So I think that, that instance, I, I remember – Oh gosh, it might have been. Oh shoot, it been in the last year in the Big Twelve, the year previous, you know him throwing a halfback pass, I think, to Brendan Kinney against Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, to finish out to close out that you know the Big Twelve era. So, a lot of a lot of great memories. Obviously, just a hell of a football player. And uh, but I think that Ohio State comeback and him just solidifying everything with those those late uh, those late second half touchdowns will will be what always pops in my head. Uh, the quickest when someone said, mentions, you know, number 22, Rex Burkhead from Nebraska. Another one that flies under the radar is uh, Iowa State 2010 overtime. Rex Burkhead mm-hmm. scores the, the game-winning touchdown in overtime. That's another one that stands out. Probably not at the top for me, but I'll always remember that one as well. That Should game, you got one? Well, that game was so dicey. Yeah. <laughs> Where Hags got a pick off a two-pointer in the end zone. I mean, if you remember, Nebraska didn't have Taylor Martinez that game, and Rex Burkhead really had to step up and, and put that thing away. I just This is kind of an underrated Rex moment, but... You know, we're talking screw jobs to, to start the, the segment here, Jay, with officiating. And, and I go back to the old uh, Remember the Titans officiating crew that, that found their way onto the field at A&M uh, mm-hmm. when Nebraska lost that game 9-6 to in 2010. 
and it was a nine to six game. And then you had Alston. He had fifteen penalties. Bo's losing it. Bo's trying to pierce uh, Taylor Martinez's uh, you know uh, shoulder pad chest plate at you know on the sideline. And all the while, you know, there's old Rex running wildcat. <laughs> it's like third and seventy. And they, they run Rex out of the shotgun out of the Rex cat. And he picks up he rips off a thirty five yard run to get him out of the end zone. And they end up kicking a tying field goal. He had I don't think he had a great game, but he had some plays in his home state. It was between Nebraska and A and M and in a defensive just slog fest that ended up nine to six and kind of a you know a hose job. Uh, Rex was was super big because you were a mess at quarterback. You're not moving the ball at all. Your passing game's you know slim to none, and slim left town, and your defense is balling out. So that A and M game, I mean, the, the, the goal line play where oh Rex is running it and and he just kind of got a couple of great blocks, creased it, and and willed his way into a big first down that allowed Nebraska to tie the game. I'll always remember that game, uh, you know, and just figure out how or, or wonder how, you know, Bo and Carl didn't end up in jail afterward because they were so <laughs> irate. I mean, they had they had murder in their eyes. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was uh, – I forget about that game. And I forget that Rex – I mean, they had to lean on them so hard. Yeah. I remember – yeah, there was – yeah, the Taylor Martinez drama, and obviously the poor officiating. Uh, that whole Ben Cotton issue. Yeah, Ben's you getting a, Ben's getting get, turn your head and yeah, turn your head and cough. Yeah, bottom of yeah. a we, we're, we're, we're talking assault with the, the Nebraska game last night. That one, that was jail time right there on the field in <laughs> Texas A and M game. <laughs> More minutes with Jay Moore. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. The Black Shirt Hour continues. We've got some comments in from. Tiger Shark Diver and uh, says Charlie McBride eats nails for breakfast and bolts for lunch. Steve checks in. Charlie McBride's so tough he never catches cold. So loved uh, hearing from Coach McBride. Love hearing from Jay. And uh, we'll uh, get some Super Bowl thoughts as we continue on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore with his Blackshirt Husker NFLer. Find him on Twitter at jmoore44. And uh, you see him on Big Red Wrap-Up during the Husker football season. Jay, let's go to the Super Bowl. You've got the quarterback discrepancies where uh, Brock Purdy has all the weapons around him and he's, and he's handled it well. He made a lot of plays in that NFC title game. And then you got Mahomes, who is uh, – he's got him and Kelsey – Right and Pacheco and, and and some new names, but it's not the the juggernaut offense of the Chiefs. It's been their defense. So you got the quarterback matchup, and then you got the Chiefs defense versus that Niners offense. How excited are you about Sunday, and what do you think shakes out? Yeah, it's gonna be a hell of a game. I mean, doesn't get much better Super Bowl in Vegas, first time there, and um, but it's gonna be a fantastic matchup. I just think the interesting thing is how well. I don't, I don't know if it's gone underneath the radar, but everyone obviously wants to focus on Mahomes and Kelsey. But the way the Chiefs' defense has played all year long, holding no one scored over 30 points on them this year. I mean, that never happens. And in past years where they couldn't stop anyone, you just hope that their 
you know, you know their other offense could score 35 points and uh, it just completely changed. Uh, you know, the Steve Spagnuolo defense, I know we've talked in depth about him on here before, but um, his ability to, to get the right guys and then you, you're able to have great players, Chris Jones and um, the, oh gosh, the, the rookie out of Purdue, you know, he's, he's had a hell of a year. Um, but just a way to kind of mess that all together. And it's really just been, you know, that stretch where they, they had, you know, they lost a few in a row. You know, the wide receivers were an issue. Uh, Kelsey was, was banged up. Uh, Pacheco was banged up. But now that they kind of get everyone healthy, they kind of got it figured out. And it's not the, I would say high flying, but, you know, the, it's just more traditional. You just see them in more, you know, you don't see as many jet sweeps, fly motions. You know, it's like, you know what, we're just going to line up on the football here and, in, uh, you know, multiple tight end packages. And uh, we're just going to run the ball at you. And we're going to play action off of it. And we're going to try to control the clock a little more because our defense is damn good. And it's just been vastly different from from all the years in the past. And um, I think, you know, in that stretch where they struggle, they're just trying to trying to figure it out still. And like, you know what, let's not overcomplicate it here. Our defense is too darn good not to, to utilize and, and lean on. So let's lean on them for once. Uh, and I think they they made that decision. It's in it's it suited them very well in the playoffs because the way they play to be able to go and, and get those road wins back to back. I mean, you have to control the clock, uh, own the time possession, you know, play defense. You know, their special teams is are always really really good. Um, but it's gonna be a fantastic matchup. If if San Francisco kind of figure out their defensive issues, they've gone off to slow starts defensively, and just in the first half in general, team wise, because I just don't think. If they, you know, if 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 it's fourteen nothing going into the second quarter, I don't know if they can come back from it because Kansas City's defense is that good. You cannot get off to a slow start. Um, I think that's kind of why you saw the Ravens panic just a couple weeks ago because the Chiefs come out and boom seven nothing. They're like, this has hasn't happened to our defense all year. And you just kind of panic and and be, do try to do something you haven't done all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I just don't think the 49ers can afford to get off to that slow start. If they do. Uh, it's going to be back to back for the Chiefs. Um, as much as I would <laughs> don't want to see that happen, uh, I'd love to see San Francisco battle and and, and get one finally, um, and kind of a you know a rematch of the Super Bowl just a few years ago. So overall, it's going to be a really really good game. Um, just kind of feels like, like I said, if the, if the 49ers can get off to a good start and don't put themselves behind the eight ball, I think we got a, a fantastic football game. Jay, I, as I look back to this season, I was one that doubted the, the Chiefs a lot. But now that I see it in the postseason, they've been the best team in, in the postseason, I, I think, by a, a large margin. And it's because they have, as you laid out, a better running game, a better defense. The things that allow a team to really find consistent success in the postseason, the, the Chiefs remodeled themselves, made themselves better. And it, it wasn't perfect in the regular season, but they hit their stride in the postseason. But despite all of that, the 49ers, according to Vegas, still a two-point favorite. Do you think that that line is being affected by the Chiefs' regular season struggles? Do you think that line is fair? What's your take on Vegas saying it's the 49ers who are favored, not the Chiefs? Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I guess I haven't looked um, as of late. Uh, I would, I would take the, I'd take the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are playing, like we just said, you said the Chiefs are playing the best football. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just go on the road in Buffalo and in Baltimore, and you win very convincingly. They're, they're playing the best. Uh, I think... Overall, if you want to probably compare teams on paper, 
yeah, I think San Francisco is is probably the better team, has the more talent, has a better record, you know, but yeah, more recency bias, I got to lean towards the Chiefs. Uh, I just think San Francisco got lucky. You know, like I said, the late starts against the, against the Packers and then against the Lions, they were they're fortunate to come out of there with Wednesday. It's found ways to win. Uh, there's something to that as well. The hard part is, too, because all the talent that they have defensively in San Francisco, for them to play the way they've done the last in the NFC title game and in the divisional round, um, very surprising. they got to get it cleaned up. they got to get it figured out because, like I said, I mean, <laughs> you cannot have that. And the thing is, too, is their ability to stop the run has been very, very poor. Green Bay ran the ball on them early. Uh, Detroit ran, ran the ball on them early. And the, the Chiefs' commitment to run the football with Pacheco um, – Tell you what, you can't allow it to happen because it's that you just they they won't stand a chance. So um, yes, surprised, but uh, if I'm a betting man, my money's going on the Chiefs. Jay Moore with his black shirt, Husker NFL, or at Jay Moore forty four co-hosts Big Red wrap up. Bird, enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll get caught up next week. Thanks for a few. Yep, sounds good, guys. See ya. Good to spend some time with Jay Moore, Black Shirt Husker NFL. Our podcast is right there. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play is where you can find the podcast and download the show and tell a friend and subscribe Hail Varsity YouTube channel. And, and, and also don't forget, when you mention the Hail Varsity YouTube channel, also a place to go to the live stream. If you hear all these people chiming in and you're like, man, I wish I could chime in with this show. Really easy to do. Go to Hail Varsity on YouTube between 4 and 6, even a little earlier if you'd like to be a part of the starting five. Get in there, uh, hop in the, uh, the live stream. You can find it under the live tab on Hail Varsity's YouTube page. And uh, you can join in on all the fun on the live stream as well. We have, I think, some more planned uh, for the live stream to try to get them more involved with the show. Really appreciate what they've brought to the show over the past, oh, what, about 18 months since we started since doing Ireland. the live show? <laughs> about 18 months since we started doing the live shows online. Really appreciate what all, all the folks who tune in live have uh, brought to the show. So if you're sitting in there live watching, we appreciate you. If you're sitting out there listening on radio, listening in podcast, you want to join the fun again. That's the Hail Varsity YouTube page from 4 to 6 Central Time. Uh, join the fun, and uh, you can hop in the live chat there. Shout out, as we do our starting five, uh, we need to absolutely uh, give a, a shout out to our friend and uh, listener in the uh, the Philippines. RS checks in live from the Philippines. Uh, what time is it there, RS, in the Philippines? Would love to know that. And... Uh, <laughs> I'd like to visit there sometimes. That'd be cool. Hit the uh, the um, region of the world that is always tropical. It is currently 7.50 in the morning. I was asking RS. I was asking RS to give us a time check. Whoops. It's all right. <laughs> Elijah with the spoiler. We'll wind it down, finish out a Monday, big show tomorrow, Super Bowl week, forges forward. It's Hail Varsity, and we're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for spending time. It's Hail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we'll check in tomorrow with uh, Husker Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ Grant Wistrom going to be with us. It'll be good to check in with G-Dub, talk Super Bowl this week. Thoughts on the Big Red 
And uh, Mr. Searles, our favorite Husker NFL or offensive lineman, Searles going to be with us tomorrow. Mitch Sherman also checks in. Busy week. Sam Cook will be with us. Uh, stand out with the Ravens and Super Bowl champ. Super Bowl week commences. Tony Veland for Elijah's Denver Broncos going to be with us this week. And we are out to a few more of those Huskers who've won the big one uh, when it comes to pro football's ultimate prize. Reminder about your friends at the Omaha Supernovas. What an, an event. What a win on Saturday. You can be part of this first season and witness world-class talent, have fun with family and friends, and get to know the team, and above all, support an amazing sport and movement, supernovas.com. It's where you log on and uh, can get your single match or season tickets, and that's uh, all the time at CHI when uh, they are in action, so be sure to check out supernovas.com and be a part of uh, just not only history but excellence and uh, Supernovas have Olympians, they have champions, uh, national champions, All-Americans. And uh, be sure to check out Supernovas.com and get your season tickets or single game tickets today. I think, I'm going to look at the, the weather right now, I think it may be warm enough. Yeah, I think, you, I think it's warm enough to fire the grill up tonight, Elijah. I mean, it's a beautiful week all around. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. Low to mid fifties, sixties. Uh, yes. So I think I think it's time to go get a steak. My concern is I really want to fire up the smoker for Super Bowl Sunday. Forty one degrees, not perfect. It'll do. It'll do, but just it's not what take, you're it's going to take a long time to get the old smoke rolling. Yeah, I've tried that, and this goes back to early, early morning. It was a crisp September morning, and the uh, the Michigan Nebraska game in 2018. Oh yeah, yeah. That that bludgeoning. So we had a whole house party of folks over, and I, I had brisket I was going to do. And the sad story is the brisket was done in the oven, which was fine. It was good, but the smoker just would not cooperate because it never got above like 38 yeah, till gonna noon. Say, I was going to say even if it does get. Like up to temperature, like a twelve-hour brisket's now a fifteen-hour brisket because mm-hmm. it's going to be losing heat. And it's and, and I suck right at in. brisket. I mean, I need my mother to make it, or I need to go to Jaybirds for it. Those are the two spots uh, in town to go for brisket that aren't, uh, you know, run by barbecue insiders. To, to what we need this week, we need to get in like a personal. We need to get chef. in. Not, we need to get in eighteen too. I mean, it's like well, we're putting a list. But together. like with this show, we need to get in like a, a private chef to come put together a Super Bowl menu for us. It's easy, bro. You do I, like buffalo chicken dip, classic. I need to have a buffalo chicken dip. But other than that, I'm negotiable. You smoke wings, or you air fry wings, or you oven your wings. You crock pot them and then you oven them. There's a hundred ways to do wings. Yeah, I think I'm going to be in Omaha for uh, for the Super Bowl. Well, that'll be good. So. I might try to keep it low key this year. Only like myself, my roommates, maybe. Just when's kickoff? Is it the four thirty? Probably five thirty. That's what we've okay. been the last couple of years. I don't actually know off the top of my head. Well, hang tight. Good stuff this week. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Logger. Back at four tomorrow. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.